Before we get started, I wanted to mention a couple of things. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention is, is if you're with us today and you're a guest or you're newer here and you haven't had a chance really to find out everything we're about as a church, you know, we're, we're happy that you come here to worship. Uh, we're happy that we get to come here and sing songs of praise. We get to read scripture. But, but we would really love for you to find out what it means to be part of a church family. Uh, we think it's vitally important for you to be part of a church family, whether it's here or somewhere else. Uh, it, to have those people that you can rely on, who will encourage you, who speak words of truth to you, uh, that we can lean on when we need one another is, I think, one of the best gifts that God's given us in the local church. So uh, if you are interested in finding out more about us and what it means to be a part of our church here, this is not a uh, we're initiating you in. This is more of a you find out about us. We have something called Starting Point, and it will be February 19th. Right after church, we'll bring in lunch, and you can stay here. And if you haven't had the chance to do that, and you want to meet elders, you want to meet ministers, and you want to hear about some of our uh, main ministries that we do, what we feel like God's called us to, we would love for you to come to that. Uh, so you can reach out to the office, uh, email, or call, um, and uh, become a part of that. We, we would love to have you there. Like I said, it's going to be an informal time. It will be a good time for us to, to share with each other, and uh, we would love to invite you to that. Um, before we get started... You know what? We don't often do this. We don't often bring up things that don't have to do with the spiritual part, but it's family too. So um, on occasion, there's something really neat that's going that you just want to mention. So like Henry Johnson is going to be swimming for the state meet this weekend because he's qualified in like four events. That's kind of cool. Uh, so we're proud of you. And we're going to be rooting for you because we know you're going to do this in a way that honors God. And I know that he did mention that uh, he got all of his athletic prowess from his father, Stephen, and so we're very thankful for that and uh, the way that that works. So we're, we're excited for you, and we're going to be cheering for you, so we hope that that goes well. Uh, one of the other things that we tend to do here as a church that is a tradition of ours is we pray for the larger kingdom in this town. Uh, we believe that God is working through this place, but we believe that God is not just working through this place. Uh, the Lord and his Holy Spirit is moving and is powerful, and where the name of Christ is proclaimed as Lord, uh, those are our brothers and sisters. And so we are excited that we get to do that, and it's been tradition long before me um, that, that we pray for uh, another church here in this area and pray that God moves through them in the same way that, that we ask him to move through us. So uh, just in the past couple of weeks, I got to have lunch with Del Way. Um, and Art took me, and we got to, I got to meet him, and so it's just another opportunity for me to connect with another pastor in this area, and so we're going to stop, and we're going to pray for, for them just for a moment before we begin. Holy God, we thank you uh, that you are active, and that you are moving, and that you are sovereign, and that you are powerful, and Lord, we see your glory, and we see, uh, we see you at work, and we see you at work in this town, and Lord, we pray that you will continue to work and that there will be people who uh, look for you and follow where you are and um, join in in the work that you are already doing in this place. And in particular, Lord, we ask that you would bless uh, Calvary Temple Church today. Lord, that uh, as they're just down the road from us, as they worship and lift up your name this morning, Lord, we ask that you would move powerfully through them, that you would give them uh, truth this morning, that their praise that is lifted up to you would be something that uh, is pleasing to you and that you will move through them and that they will proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ in this town as we do the same thing. Lord, we pray for this town and we pray that uh, all believers uh, would be people of humility and would be people of grace and service. And through that, people will look at us and go, surely the presence of the Lord is with them. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.
All right, well, it has been a weird week. I just want to tell you, starting last Sunday. So if you were not aware, uh, last Sunday, about 8 in the morning, we had a transformer blow up across the street. Uh, Clark's calling me on the phone and saying there's sparks flying everywhere, uh, and the building is all in darkness, and it's not supposed to come back on for a couple of hours. And so we prepared for worship to be here in the dark without AC or heat or anything like that. And then it came back on, so we ended up kind of shifting again. Uh, I mentioned this last week. I, I wonder if it's coincidence that I prayed on Jesus being the light, and then the next week we had to sit in darkness. So I am thankful I didn't pray on God's holy fire because the building may burn down. So we're, we're going to be very careful with all of that. But uh, then you have that Sunday, and then you have the rest of the week where we feel like there's this horrible uh, ice storm that's coming, and it never really did, but it kind of did. And so your kids were home with you, and man, I want to tell you, uh, we're with you. We were praying for you while your kids were home for several days, and we were praying for your kids too. And uh, we'll be praying for you when you have to make those days up at school also. But just a weird week. I know it's been a weird week. Speaking of weird, um, I have a friend. And my weird friend's uh, weird quirk is that when he gets a new book, a novel, he reads the end of it first. So he turns to the back and he reads the last chapter and the last few pages. Okay, anybody else? Do I have anybody else who does that? You do? Okay. Oh, wow. I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm going to pray for you. Okay? That, his, his big deal with that is he wants to turn to the back and he wants to find out how the end of the book goes because he said it reframes and gives a new lens to everything that happens now in the story. And especially if you have one of those whodunit books, right? So you're trying to spend the whole book trying to figure out the whodunit, and at the end you find out it was Bob who did it. And he goes, I already know Bob did it. So now as I'm reading through there, I'm going, oh, see what Bob's doing here and see how he's throwing him off the scent here and see what he's doing. And it, it reshapes everything, right? I mean, it changes everything. It makes me think about books and you have movies. Like if you think about what that does to a movie, like The Sixth Sense, do any of y'all people know the sixth sense? It, that's one of those where if, if you haven't seen it, that's, it's going to be on you, spoiler alert, because here's the deal. At the end, you'll find out that the kid who sees dead people, Bruce Willis is dead. Sorry, I ruined it. But just so you know, that, that movie's 24 years old this week. That, how does that make you feel? Nice and old there, huh? 24 years old. And what you find out is at the end of the movie, you find out this reveal, and it changes everything that you've watched through this changes everything that you thought of. And when you go back and you watch the movie again now, with that knowledge, at the beginning you start going, okay, this makes sense, this makes sense, this makes sense. I see what they were doing. I see what they were doing. But it changes the way that you look at everything. And then I start looking at what we've got here, and I hope that you have your, uh, your journals and your Bibles with you for John. And I start thinking about the way that John is trying to describe to us in his gospel who Jesus is. And we're still in the first chapter. We're just through a few verses. But one of the things that I think is really interesting is that before John tells us any of the exploits of Jesus, we don't know where he went. We don't know what he said. We don't know what he did. If you're just reading from the book of John and where we are so far, before you find out all of that, John wants to tell you who he is. He's kind of giving you the end of the story at the beginning. Before I even tell you where he went, 
Before I even tell you any of this, I want you to know who he is because you've got the other gospels and a lot of them start out with the lineage. Like they start at the very beginning of this and go on. So Jesus was born in this way and he was raised in this way and this is where he went. But with John, it's not like that. As a matter of fact, in the first five verses, we're hit with all of these things that we've been talking about of who Jesus is, right? You end up with, in the beginning was the word. You find out he's the logos, and we talked about that. And then it says, he's the logos, he's the word of God, he's this cosmic force that holds everything together. And then it says he's the light, and then it says he's the life. All in the first five verses, you're getting logos, light, life, all of these things that he is. And then comes verse 14 where we are today. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so while you have the first five verses going divine, 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 God, verse 14 comes and goes, flesh, vulnerable, human, right there at the very beginning. And we're learning all of this at the beginning of this from an old man's point of view who is a witness to all of it, who's going back and going, before I get into this, I want you to know what you're about to see. I'm telling you the who and the why before I tell you the what and the where about Jesus. Here's who he is. Here's why he did the things that he did. And you want to know what happens at the end? I mean, John's giving you the end of the book. He goes, you want to know what happened at the end? You want to know who he turns out to be? The who done it? He was the full glory of God in the flesh here in this place. And then he says, and we beheld that glory. At the very end of this story, I'm going to tell you that he turned out to be the whole glory of God in the flesh, and we saw all of it. Now, the interesting thing is, I don't know if you were to grab a young disciple, John, and go, what do you see? And I don't know if he'd know to say, the full glory of God in the flesh. But as an older man who looks back and sees everything that happened, this is a guy going, that's what we saw. That's who he was. In the end of this, after all of it happened, I know what I was seeing. I was seeing the glory of God in the flesh, all of it, all of the glory. That's who he was doing all of these things, saying all of these things. I want you to realize who we're talking about as you read story after story of what he did and where he went. This is God in the flesh who's doing this. And then you got to realize that verse 14, where we are today, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is loaded again. It's got this loaded language. It means so much. We've been talking about this from the beginning. The brilliance of the inspiration that was given to John to start writing this story and to write his gospel down of what Jesus did. There's so much just wonderful brilliance in this. And the idea to say he dwelt with them is loaded language. And to say we beheld his glory, loaded language. Okay? If you have Jews during this time, you need to know their ears perk up immediately. The word became flesh and dwelt among them. They're like, God dwelt with man. I know this. I know this. And, and we beheld his glory, the glory of God. And they're like, I know this. This makes sense. I know what this is. There's a couple of things that this is going to bring up to Jewish people. The first one is the creation story. You need to know from the very beginning, and you got to know, John keeps taking us back to the creation story. Do you remember? The first words in John are the first words of the the Torah of the scriptures in the beginning. That's how John starts. That's how Torah starts, in the beginning. It's taking you back to Eden. In the beginning. Those are the first words of scripture. And then the first words of God in scripture are, let there be light. And he goes, Jesus is light. Do you see he keeps taking us back? He's trying to make sure that we're making this connection. If 
you're a studier of Scripture, if you were a Jewish person during the time, all of these things start to sound very familiar to you. So he's taking us back to Eden to remember this. And here's the interesting thing about Eden. is It was this place where God had made it exactly the way that he wanted. It was made exactly according to his will. Things were being done on earth as they were in heaven. It was exactly the way God wanted it. There's no sin. There's no death. There was this time where things were exactly the way that God wanted. And during that time, God dwelt with man. As a matter of fact, if you look at Genesis 3, 8, you will see that it talks about Adam and Eve. And it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of day. What you had was God dwelling in person with man in Eden. That's what that was. It was this time where things were the way that they were supposed to be. The glory of God was present with humans. They had him right there where they could see him face to face. Then you realize we ruined that. It got spoiled. It was ruined through sin and deception and people being tricked and deceived and lied to into grabbing onto something beyond God for their identity and for who they are and for what they're going to be. And because of that, our time there in Eden was over. And since that time, God's people... And especially if you understand, if you're coming from a Jewish background in the first century, they would understand, since that time, what we've been trying to do is reclaim what happened in Eden. We're trying to get back to that place where God's with us, where we beheld his glory, where he walked with us, where he was with us. There was this perfect place God made, and that's where it was. Here's the second moment it's going to make them think of. When they start hearing this, this God dwelling with them and the glory of God, they're going to start thinking about the tabernacle. So you had God's people, and they had been in slavery, and God's leading them out of this slavery. And then he started talking about this tent that he wanted them to build. He said, I want you to make this place. If you make me a place, I'll inhabit it. In Exodus 25, verses 8 and 9, this is what it says. Then This is the Lord speaking. He said, then make them a sanctuary. Have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all of its furnishings exactly like the pattern that I'll show you. Again, to go, there will be this place where the will of God is right in it. Make it exactly the way I say so it's right in my will. It's starting to sound a little bit like Eden. And if you'll make this exactly the way that I say, according to my will, then what I'll do is I'll come down and I will inhabit it. And I'll be there with you. This is what they had been waiting for. From the story of their beginning... Something is going to be restored to us that we lost. God is going to come dwell with us again. We haven't had that since the garden. And now we're going to get a piece of that, something that we threw away. And God's going to give it back to us. There's this act of grace that's going to happen. He says, if you will make this sanctuary for me, if you'll make this holy place, and if you'll make it just the way that I say, I'm going to come and I'm going to dwell in it. And I'm going to be there with you. Something that was lost is now going to be restored. And for God's people, that was a huge thing. You need to realize the significance of this because there at creation before, God said, I'm going to make this place exactly according to my will, and I want you to come inhabit it. And now what he's saying is, if you will make this place directly according to my will, then I'll come inhabit it with you. But it's this opportunity again 
for us to be together the way that we're supposed to be. Have God dwell with us. You make this perfect place exactly the way that I say, and I'll come inhabit it with you. That's the reason that this sounds so familiar. And you need to understand, too, even the language that John used there when he said, and the word became flesh and dwelt among them. That word dwell really means tented. He came and tented among them. So John is using this language that you realize is so brilliant for people to go, oh, wait a minute. We know about when God tented with us, when he tabernacled with us, when he came and he traveled with us in this, in this movable sort of in, inhibi, inhibition, this place that he lived where he traveled with us. Now, you need to understand, during this time, during this tent when he did this, in the Old Testament, they're talking about this in Exodus. And by the way, you want to write that down? Put that in your notes, man. Go read Exodus 33, okay? We're going to be in that a little bit today, but you need to go read that because you're going to see so many places where this looks so much like what John is talking about to start here. And during that time, you need to understand the presence of God was dwelling with them, but there were some restrictions. There were some things that were a little bit different. There were some boundaries that God had during that time. As a matter of fact, even when he first came and he showed up on the mountain, it was don't touch the mountain. Stay back. And then when he would come and he would settle into the tabernacle, it was don't come in the tabernacle. There was, there was the glory of God's being revealed, but there were some boundaries. There were some restrictions. But there was fear and there was wonder. The invisible God becoming visible in some way. There's his presence. And we can see part of it. The glory of God was now seen by man, from a distance. But that's what was amazing about it, is in that cloud and in that fire, there was an actual visible image of the invisible God. There was something for man to see and go, there he is, I can see him, and I know he's with us. And that changes everything. To be able to see God and to see that he's with us, and it's not only that I'm going to dwell with you, but you are going to see my glory. You're going to see part of who I am, and it's going to show up in that glory. It's called that Shekinah. It's going to be there. You're going to be able to see part of who I am. It's not just a cloud that was there. It was the glory and the presence of God. So now you got John saying he came to dwell with us, and we saw his glory. And so do you understand for the Jews to be able to hear this, this message now to say, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, this leads to all kinds of things. One is this gratefulness. It's something's being restored, but also maybe a little bit of this sort of fear, a healthy fear of who God was. Because they realized when he came during that time, that was something that we kind of stood back and we watched a little bit. Exodus 33, 8 through 10, listen to the way that they responded to this. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and they stood at the entrance to their tents and watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance of their tent. So they were able to see God's dwelling with us. There he is. There's the glory of him. Cloud and fire. And there he is. And it was such great comfort, but it was also this time of saying, man, we stand at the entrance of our tent, and we watch, and we worship. We're filled with awe, and we're filled with wonder at the idea of going, the God that made us, that created everything, 
Some of his presence and his glory is right there. And the natural reaction to that was for people to worship, to stand at the entrance of their tent and be in awe. So again, when John said, the word became flesh and dwelled among us and we saw his glory, this is amazing words to people that have desired to be with God. The presence of the Lord was so powerful. They desired it so much that when the fear came that they would lose it, they were desperate to hang on to it in any way. Because see, there was this opportunity for them to lose it because as the Lord had decided, I'm going to be there with you and I'm going to dwell with you, then what happened is we blew it again. We reached out for something that was beyond our God and we reached for something where our identity would be different. And you know this, this is a story where they built a golden calf and they decided that they were going to worship that. And they reached for something else. And then the Lord told them, well, now what's going to happen is I'm still going to send you off to this land, this promise that I made with you, but I'm not going. I'm not going with you. I'll send a messenger to go with you. There will be an angel and they'll go, but I'm not going. And then Moses, who acts as an interceder for them, went before the Lord, and this is what he said. This is Exodus 33, 15 through 17. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of this earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I'll do the very thing you've asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. What a wonderful story that is. One of the most faithful sentences ever said by anyone was Moses going, listen, if you're not going to go, then we're not going. We got no business traveling. We got no business going anywhere without you. We don't want to go if you're not going to be there. We need your protection, and we need your provision, and we need your presence. And we have now seen what it is for you to dwell with us, and we're not going if you don't go. Lord, let us be people like that. That's who we're supposed to be. And so they did. And for a while, they trusted in that, and they leaned into that for a while. And they set out on their journey. And then this is what it looked like on their journey. Exodus 40, verses 34 through 38. Here's what it looked like. Then the cloud covered the tent of meaning, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and the fire was in the cloud by night, and in the sight of all the Israelites during all their travels. What a wonderful story of people just following the Lord. They had learned to follow the visible presence of the Lord. When he went, they went. If he didn't go, they didn't go. It's people learning to be disciples. It's like a disciple and a teacher. We follow. We go where you go. We stay where you stay. This is what it means for us to follow in this way. Like disciples. This place that has been made. Exactly the way that God wants it to be made. The dwelling place of the glory of God for us to follow. This is why it mattered to John's audience, in particular, those that were Jewish, to be able to say, 
There was a man who was the Word, and he was God, and God dwelt with us, and the presence of God was right there, and his glory was there. This is about God joining us where we are. Again, a perfect vessel for God's glory to dwell in. And it was in the person of Jesus Christ. Without blemish, without sin in any way. And the glory of God rested there. But here's what's different is there was no stay back. And there was no keep your distance. And there was no boundaries. Instead, he came and dwelt right among us to where you could see him and you could touch him. And he would talk to you. And he made a way, again, for us to get restored back what we had lost in Eden. The glory of God dwelling in a place that fulfills his will. Perfect place. John is saying now God came to earth and he traveled in this perfect vessel, this tabernacle. And he moved among us and we got to see him. And it was Jesus. And we got to behold it. And we got to witness it. And we learned to get up and we learned to follow him every day. And when he moved, we moved. And when he stayed, we stayed. And we were all changed because of it. This is John going, I'm going to tell you what happens at the end so that you understand everything that I'm about to tell you. Because we have received grace upon grace. If you want to underline something, underline that. Verse 16. We have received grace upon grace. This is our story. That's the part where they received grace in the presence of God, coming in the tabernacle to be with them. It was an act of grace because they had sinned. They didn't deserve it. God said, I'm going to come and I'm going to be there no matter what. And then here comes Jesus, and he does the same thing. It has nothing to do with what you deserve. It's grace piled upon grace. And that's what we have. Why does this matter for us? Because this has to do everything with us. Okay, We are the people that have read the end of the book. We get to go back and go. It was the glory of God in a person that came and dwelt among us. And we know how this ends. And now we get to go back and we get to look at this and go, this is the glory of God, God in the flesh, and the way that he moved, and the way that he interacted with people. And then we get to realize the great cost, the great price that was paid to make you the perfect tabernacle and dwelling place for the glory of God. Because here's the deal. When that price was paid and you became perfectly inside the will of God, not because of what you did, but because of what Jesus did, now you are the tabernacle. You are the place where the glory of God will come and dwell. He's come to dwell in you because you are right inside the will of God. Not of your own doing, but because when the Father looks at you, he goes, no blemish, no stain, no sin. You're exactly the way that I want you to be because of the price that Christ paid. You've been washed in the blood. You've been cleansed. There is no guilt. And now you're the dwelling place for the glory of God. And in the same way, John gets to say, we've seen it. We get to say that. This is why we worship. Do you know? This is why we sing these songs. This is why we come here. And sometimes you see people move to tears is because we are people that have seen the glory of God. We've seen his presence. You know it. You may have forgotten. You know it if you're a follower 
when you became that follower, when Christ redeemed you, when you've been changed, when guilt and shame was taken away from you and you were washed, and now you're this person that doesn't have guilt and you don't have shame, you are who God says you are. And he's come and he's set up in you through the Holy Spirit and the glory of God now dwells inside of you. You're the tabernacle that walks around with the glory of God. Meant to show people what the glory of God looks like. This is our calling. This is who we are. And I'll tell you, in worship, it's not about us making sure that we sing the right song or that the lights are up or they're down and that we did this in the way that you wanted. It is about us remembering that the glory of God has been present in our life. And he's still here, and you can see him. You can see his presence. You can see him in the people around you. You can see him in the things that he has done in your life. You can see it in the way that you've been changed. And when we reach for that and we realize what God says about us is what's true, then what we're doing is we're portraying the glory of God. We don't have to be afraid and we don't have to stand at a, different, at a distance. We have the Lord within us. That's why we can sing and that's why we can pray. And that's why we can believe. Amen. We're going to take a minute now and uh, spend some time in prayer. We're going to have a few songs and we're going to spend some time in prayer. We're going to have ministers and elders around here if you want to go pray with them. Maybe if you've forgotten what the glory of God looks like and maybe you're having a hard time seeing it, go and pray. Pray with somebody near you. Pray at your seat by yourself. Go pray with an elder or a minister to be reminded that the presence of God is here, that he dwells in you through his Holy Spirit inside you. And, and let me tell you, if you haven't yet made that decision, if you haven't decided, hey, this is the deal. I want to dwell with God. I'm asking him to dwell with me. It is so easy. It is so simple. All you got to do is just ask. We would love to tell you of God's great desire to pile grace upon grace for you, for you to become a child of his, to understand what it means for the old you to go away and for the new you to come through baptism, for you to be understanding what it means for God to come and dwell in you, for you to become a tabernacle for him. So we're going to spend a few minutes in prayer. Like I said, pray silently at your seat if you want to. You can pray with somebody else. But we want to make sure that we don't leave this place without remembering that we've seen the glory of God. So if you would stand with me, we're going to read a scripture together, and then I'll lead us in prayer and we'll sing a few songs. This is from 2 Corinthians 3.18. If you would, read this with me. And we all who through unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the way that your word is alive. We thank you so much for this story that continues from the beginning of time to right now, and that it, it hasn't ended that it continues with us. And Lord, we do want to be transformed more and more into the likeness of Christ so that the glory of God can be shown through us. And so, Lord, we ask that you would uh, remind us, remind us of the joy of our salvation, remind us of the way that we've seen you dwell with us and walk with us, that you've never abandoned us, not once, and that through the blood of Christ we have become the tabernacle in which the glory of God dwells. And so, Lord, let us rejoice in that, let us lean into that, and we thank you for that. And it is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen.